Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are, episode three of Engaging with Executives. Uh, pretty good start so far. Enjoyed the content. Week one, we kind of introduced some of the topics and ideas and ran through a few tips and tricks. Last week, we really broke the episode down into three parts, really ways to get a meeting, uh, the ways to get commitment on events with executives, and then what to do if all else fails. Uh, this week, we're going to focus mostly on briefings, and that varies from field briefings to uh, big executive briefings and other type meetings that we'll, we'll, we'll run through and talk about tips and tricks on how to uh, get executives there, how to work with partners, and ultimately how to be successful engaging with executives. What, what's your reflection so far, Brian, as we've got halfway through this series? Well, I, I think it just reinforces how important it is to get alignments at that level in, in the deals, whether it's a, again, whether it's like a new pursuit where you're chasing a new customer or an existing customer where you're trying to expand your footprint, these deals are so delicate and your, your continued sales into the account is so delicate. And if you think that working with, um, you know, you know, while your relationship with that individual contributor or that first line manager is so critical that you continue to deliver every single day for them, um, if you don't have alignment to the conversations that are happening above his or her head, you're, it's a matter of time before you fail. And I know as um, whenever I was at a soft choice, a reseller, my, my, kind of my first big tech job, I remember like my panic scenario was, oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, they're going to have some sort of executive turnover or there's going to be first line manager turnover. And um, I'm going to lose that like one deep relationship I have in my account. And that memory that I'm getting 22 points of margin on is going to disappear. And that's solving, you know, 40% of my quota, right? Like it having this kind of alignment is tough. It takes time, um, but it will give you a great sense of comfort if you do it right. Some young reps just probably wreck their car because you said 22 points of margin on memory. Uh, they don't even <laughs> sell memory anymore. It's probably just part of the box. <laughs> but, yes, we used to make 20 points me? of margin on hardware people. <laughs> we used to do it often, and it was good. Um, yeah, so, Match.com so this... was my early customer, and I swear it was way better than 20 points. It may have been upwards of 40 points. If, if uh, CJ is listening, he knows. Yeah, and that was uh, that was what fifteen years ago, and Match. dot com still running commercials today. You can only think of how much infrastructure they've built to run their web and apps and phone apps and everything else. Um, yeah, they're still using a lot of memory, no question. So this week we're going to talk about, as always, pretty much three sections. We're going to talk about field briefings and those field briefings versus kind of remote briefings. We're going to talk about partners or no partners, uh, and then we're going to talk about some best practices for executive briefings, whether they're on-site or off-site, you know, some tips and tricks that'll make you look like a pro when you're running your first or second executive briefing and maybe make that executive feel a little bit more at home when you run it. So field, verse, field briefing uh, versus a remote briefing, Brian, I have had a ton of success at both, I guess, 
what's your thoughts and what's your success been like on field and remote briefings? Yeah, I, I, both have worked for me. The you know the nice thing about a field briefing is you can um, scheduling can be a bit easier. The downside on the field briefings for me are that um, sometimes you get an executive that could be lost in their phone or lost in their email, or they could step out for a quote-unquote emergency phone call, right? When you have them uh, remote, whether it's at your office or at, a, at, at your local office or at your, you know, your national headquarters, you can kind of have some very um, direct access to them. So there's some great benefit in that. How about you? Yeah, I think I've always liked obviously the remote one, meaning in in the at the mothership, um, because they are distracted. They are away from home. They're not trying to get out of there to make it to a kid's soccer game or baseball game or something like that. And while the phone's always going to be a distraction nowadays, I, I think that they're they are a little bit more attentive. Um, I also think that they they're businessmen and women as well. They understand the expense that goes into these 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 facilities that we build to entertain and to show them off. Um, and I often, when I would do a briefing, it, well, there was something big event tied to it. Um, I, I hate to keep referencing EMC, but they, they did customer experience pretty well when it came to events. Um, and Houston, all, whatever team was playing in Foxborough always had first dibs on the executive briefing center and all the tickets at the EMC deck in Gillette stadium. So imagine I'm, I go, the tough to crack executive. And I say, Hey, would you like to go to the Texans game? And they say, nah, not really. I said, no, I don't think you understand. I'm talking in a suite at Gillette stadium, home of Tom Brady and the new England Patriots. Oh, well maybe that, (laughs) that sounds a little different. Uh, And we're going to fly you out there. And for that, we need to do a little two day briefing around the baseball game and probably a tour of Fenway Park. What do you think? It's a completely different ask of do they want to participate. And then I think it's a completely different way that they do participate. Um, they know those events are expensive, and they, they show their appreciation, I think, through attention for sure. But a lot of, you know, there was a, there's been two major downturns in oil and gas in my tech sales career, 2007 to 2009-ish, 10, and then 2017 and a half to to, to barely coming out of it now if we're really coming out of it at all um and the spending the spending on travel and trips like that kind of went away in both those downturns and executives just didn't do them it looked bad for companies for them to do them it looked bad for us probably to do those type of events and request that they come so all that kind of went to a standstill and and the ease of doing a field or remote briefing became a lot easier uh it just it it was cheaper. It made sense. They didn't have big travel budgets. So we, we did smaller key things still felt big, but you know, in a hotel suite that they're designed for these small briefings, uh, we would rent a restaurant. Um, we would rent some other high end venue. Maybe we would hold it at a suite at a baseball game or something like that when the Astros were playing well, uh, which they're playing well right now, by the way, the ghost rows. Um, but it, 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 there is a simplicity uh, to a field or remote briefing that does make the attention span waver a little bit, but uh, it, it is less expensive and easier to execute. And, and I think it's possible for anybody to create one. Um, it's funny. I, I would say an average rep will always say to me, well, how are we going to get that approved? And I'm like, it's just a big lunch is all this is, right? We go to big lunches all the time. 
we don't have the field support to throw this event. So yeah, it's the work's going to be on me and you, and it's going to be a little bit difficult, but we're going to get access to that executive, right? That, that's the harder part with the field briefings for sure. Yeah. And you could sometimes use, um, let's say you've got a couple of um, prospects that are in the same industry, or maybe they're not in the same industry, but they're, you know, they could be kind of non-competitive partner, but not partners with each other. Um almost a small event, right? It's where you maybe you rent out a theater for a opening of a movie or something and you have them, you know, you have a one-on-one ahead of that. There's all different ways to get uh, uh, creative with um, a briefing kind of wrapped around an event, uh, like you said. Yep, love that. We've we've done a lot of tech launches uh, around events, the Matrix movies, et cetera. I'm thinking about doing an event for the flight school, a customer appreciation. If you're listening and you're at the flight school, this is not locked in stone yet. But uh, when Top Gun 2 comes out, then I'm gonna, I think I'm going to rent a theater and all the customers that have done business with us are going to get that invite because that's going to be a hot ticket for aviators and they're going to appreciate it. But guess what? They're going to hear a little bit about my business plan and some of the things going on before that movie starts on my dime. You know, That's the way you do it. So... I think the the part two of today is partners or no partners, right? Um, whether you're doing the off-site briefing or you're doing a field briefing out in your local city or area, do you or do you not engage with other partners? And when I think of partners in this case, I am thinking about vendor and reseller and, and contributor. So if you're the reseller throwing the event, are you inviting the vendors, meaning Dell, EMC, Microsoft, those others? Um, there's obviously always going to be a little overlap on what they can do and how they do it. Likewise, if you are the vendor and you're throwing this event, are you going to invite the, the systems integrators, the resellers and others? And I think it's a common question that people ask me because we talk so much about partners here and people have seen my partner love in the field for so long. They want to know, uh, what I really think about it. Like I, I can't possibly really want to invite these partners. And I, I just don't, I've heard every argument in the world and there's just not a good one to not bring them. Um, it's, it's almost, it's crazy that you would believe that they're not going to be selling without you at some point or have the same ability to cut you out of a briefing, a meeting, an executive conversation or what. But, um, I bet if that partner does a duck hunt and they invite that customer and you guys are engaged, what would you think the vendor would expect, Brian? Yeah, you, you you being there, that's for sure. You better invite me. Yeah. And if they had a meeting that they were going to go to with mm-hmm. their business owner and their their executive mm-hmm. and their t- their executive tech contact guy and girl, they're going to go to this customer. Do you think they should bring the vendor? The vendor always thinks that makes sense. Um, and I, I, I guess the vendor, they have a point because it is their product, but it's the person that's wanting the meeting participation it's not their product they didn't build a damn thing so i think it's a it truly is the partnership that is important to show and appreciate and you should take them to those those briefings i've probably been a little selfish here Bobby. i've probably <laughs> um i've probably prioritized my attendance over a partner's attendance um except when i was on the partner side oh, of um, course of course but so I, I think um, a case for that, that, maybe the biggest case in my opinion on the case for inviting the partner to the meeting is that if you're if you're hoping to ultimately get to a, a new commercial agreement, right, like a new contract, an additional contract, an expanded, um, you know, expanded, you know, buying behavior or buying pattern for the customer, 
it's it's not only going to be on the vendor to um, bend and flex on some things. You're going to need the partner to bend and flex on things. And the best way to do that is for them to have uh, a good executive relationship. Because if it comes down to the 11th hour and you're having to beg that partner to concede on X or Y, if they've had no executive relationship because you've blocked them out the entire time, how willing are they going to be to do that? Yeah, for sure. And I hear it all the time. I heard it just this in the last seven days at a, at a lunch with a close friend of mine that said, I'm so sick of partners making all their margin and they don't do any of the work. And I'm like, well, how many meetings did you invite them to in the last month? None. They're, they're worthless. I don't want them to come to me. So, okay. You never include them. You never involve them. And then they have, they, this particular company has to resell through a partner. So, they have to resell through a partner and then the partner wants margin. Of course it's time value of money. There's some, it's a business. I got to get paid. They can't provide value if you block them out all the time. So use use partners and invite partners to these events. Now the question becomes, how do we engage with these partners? And I'll say most people, first thing they'll say is great. I'll make them buy lunch. That's not the best way to use the partner. Um, if, if they're just going to collect and, and provide muffins, that's not it. And look, I would say your pockets, your company's pockets are deeper than their pockets. Brian and I as both small business owners in the past doing this type of work. Uh, it would be much easier for Microsoft team members to use a little of their t and than me and Brian to use our own personal money to pay for these muffins. Um, so don't put it on the partner. Don't make that be the way they show value. I don't think that's fair. And I would even say to that point, if you can't buy it, um, I would use a collective group of others around me that were going to do it. Brian said, get other people involved, right? So if you're, if you're Microsoft, maybe I would get Knowledge Lake or K2 involved and ask them to pay, right? That they're other ISV type partners of ours. If I'm selling uh, Citrix, maybe I would ask the hardware partner to get involved, that the, the Citrix is going to be on top of and ask that hardware partner to put in some of the money. That's the way they get to participate. Not the, not the person that's going to glue it all together, meaning the systems integrator. And then I think you've got to do the work, which is hard, but do the work to prep the partners and all the other ancillary ISVs and other people that are helping you. You, you have to get a ton of Intel from them and you have to give Intel to them and that's where I think people start getting scared. Oh, my, my, my deal is going to get sketch and everybody's going to want more margin, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't know a better way to do it. I had a, a training I did. Somebody raised their hand and said, what, you know, it, this all sounds interesting that you're going to invite the partner to the executive meeting, but, um, but are they going to be as, um, are they going to have the value messages that are necessary to, enhance the conversation to bring as much value to the conversation. And the easy answer to that is they're going to be as prepared as you help them to become. If you schedule, if you schedule no prep meetings for this, like you don't book a half hour call with them, at least a half hour call with them. Of course they're going to show up and be unprepared. Well, I think the, the beauty too is a partner knows the competition so much better than we do because they probably are reselling that competitive product or, or at least helping customers with that competitive product. And that, I don't think that's all bad. The customer's going to go figure out the pros and cons of both. What, what about engaging with that partner, preparing that partner, 
making sure that partner knows they're going to make some margin. And then when that partner's in a meeting and the other vendor's saying, look, please be on my team, be on my team, and they know they're falling short, they can be the agnostic person who's got your back in the customer with the executive to get that deal closed. You alone as the vendor do not have the authority or power to do that in any engagement because you don't have the value messages with the competitive products. You you have internal competitive messaging, but trust me, people, it is not what the customer's hearing. It's not what the customer's thinking that it's going to have to come from other people. So uh, I think the best way to prepare them is obviously to talk to them and get them prepared. But then I think doing the dry run, you know, understand what people are going to say. I think you have to let the partner have a speaking slot. I think you're crazy if you don't. I don't think maybe every ISV needs a speaking spot, but I think that partner needs a speaking spot. I think that uh, you can make them perform roles like clock manager, you know, the timekeeper in the meeting. That gives them an active role where they're engaging and participating with all the speakers. And then the the customer, while it might seem like a small point of value, they'll see that as a valuable role if they get out on time and they get to make their, their child's event, whatever that event might be. And then when, make sure you give them a lot of credit when you wrap up that briefing. Um, they did give up an entire, what, four hours, maybe a whole day, maybe two days to prepare in the day of the event. Um, give them a lot of credit for participating in all things they provided, not just food, if it was food. Um, they will carry a lot of value way down the road for all of us. Um, I know it's a little scary times, but uh, use the partner in these events. Anything to wrap when it comes to partners, Brian? No, I mean, I, we've we've expressed this on the podcast for the past two years. You're um, you you do a much better job engaging here, and I think, um, and I, I can always do a better job of it. I think um, the takeaway message is: don't worry about who the chicken of the egg is. Be be both the chicken and the egg here. Uh, get them looped in. It will only help you in the long run. Perfect. So, best practices for executive briefings. So, once we've got these, whether it's field or remote. Well, we've got the commitment and we got something on the schedule. I think what normally happens, unfortunately, is everybody kind of just wrings their hands of Whew, the hard work's done, Brian. We got a schedule. We're going to get them to Foxborough. We're going to have three days with them. We're going to eat good food. We're going to drink. They're going to tell me everything and they're going to spend a bazillion dollars. What is falling short there? All the prep. So we got to prep. So, uh, the biggest miss that I've seen in my somewhat long career in tech sales is the lack of preparing an agenda that the customer is going to be excited about. It happens every time. We know about the briefing. Everyone hears the briefing secure. Now everybody wants to go to Boston. Everybody wants a time slot. You've got to give me a time slot. They're using my product. Well, I don't have to do anything, but why would you? what are you going to talk to them about? tech refresh of your product like that's not why the executive's going we can do that in every other weekly meeting we have yeah and how many times have you had an executive walk into the meeting and see the agenda for the first time mm-hmm. like i don't want to talk about any of this right. like, i, I then, want to talk about this yeah and you're not prepared you don't have the right <clears throat> speakers blah it's it's a mess so tip number one is give the agenda early early in the planning phases Hopefully before they commit, because then they know what they're committing to. But once they're committing and they've got the travel booked, you've got to have the agenda going back and forth. And the the trick is start with the lower level that you've been working with all along. These are the things we're going to talk about. These are the things we think are important to you. 
there's always going to be things you want to talk about that they don't think are important yet, that they don't know the value of it. They don't know, um, they don't know the long-term implications of maybe a, sh- a shift in tech that you want to start greasing the skids for, right? So share the agenda with the lower-level people. Talk about why you're going to add these few, two or three components. Talk about the future. Show it to their managers. Tweak it. Change the weighting on times. Change the weighting on speakers. Um, maybe if there's things they want to fall off, maybe ask if you can do it during lunch. Maybe why, why we have this opportunity to break for lunch, maybe this one person could speak. Whatever. Keep the things you want to keep in the agenda in the agenda, but make sure it's something that they want to hear about. Um, and then I think the executive should get a preview. No question. But Brian said is absolutely true. The executive should agree that this is worth their time. And then when they show up, it, it will be a much better meeting for sure. Bar none. Yeah. And it also, it also equips you for not getting crushed by your extended team. I mean, I've seen it all too many times where you'll have engaged the executives on your team for, um, you know, an onsite at your corporate headquarter, uh, remote briefing, um, or, or your field headquarters, I should say. And you have an executive in there and, and they completely destroy the agenda. It makes you look terrible in front of your executives too. Even if it's just a peer of yours or, uh, you know, a solution consultant of yours, um, it, it reflects bad on your leadership. I've had, I've had a solution specialist sit in on silent mode in a remote call about the agenda so that he could hear what the customer really thought about his solution and his products and their engagement over the past couple of years so that he could self-reflect on, hmm, maybe this big account that's spending all this money that I'm not touching much should have more engagement with me and I should have more engagement with them, right? Um, it, it was a hard lesson for him to learn, but he he had the completely wrong mindset about the way the customer was using his technology. He was thinking more about his commission checks and run rate than he was about what they were doing with the technology. Um, and I think it probably saved his relationship in the account that he, he pivoted and we pivoted in the briefing and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily thought of as a, I get this time, I'm going to earn this time. So it helped him a lot. Yeah. And much like the engagement plan that we'll talk about here in a couple of weeks, this could also be one of those meetings that you get kicked in the teeth and that kick in the teeth is much better than just being broken up with, uh, remotely, uh, as well. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, use this as an opportunity to, to really understand, uh, like you, you called out <clears throat> in the episode last week, you know, sometimes you, you think the timeline is X when it's really Y and sometimes even the, you know, the feet on the street that you're working with every day don't even know that. So, expect that there's going to be some, <laughs> there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some new things that you learn, but these are all positive. These all um, are, are hopefully helping you move the deal forward. Great. Some other day of tips, like keep a running whiteboard or, or maybe a list in one note up on a projector that the customer is asking questions about and talking about, you know, there's got to be this, large parking lot of information that's happening. Partner brings up a point. The customer asks a question, look, let's don't derail this conversation. Let's put it on the parking lot. If we got time later today, we'll get back to it. If not, we'll set up another meeting on the future. Every bullet that you can write on that whiteboard is pipeline people. It might not be pipeline for you and your company, but it's pipeline for one of those ISVs in the room. It's pipeline for the partner. It's pipeline that you can help be engaged with in the future. And it gives you a reason to follow back up with that executive. Even six months from now, 
I would send an email to an executive and say, hey, I know during the last briefing you brought up X, Y, and Z. Is it being important to you? We couldn't solve that problem. We introduced blah, blah, blah to your virtual team or your extended team in Chicago, and they've engaged. Have we helped Have we helped you help them get that thing over the, over the line, whatever you wanted to accomplish? It gives that person the ability to engage with you in a non-salesy way, right? Have I knocked this down or not for you? Uh, so keep a long list. The list is long, hopefully, and it's all pipeline. Um, I, I've always let my customers, and I don't remember who taught me this trick, but I've always had the first item on the agenda be something called the voice of the customer. The customer, you know, we know and we prep our teams. I normally send them a little prep sheet of what I've told my team members about their business and what they do so they know we're not on the, all in there just learning their business for the first time. We've all read the 10K. Um but then I asked them to do like, give us a day in the life. Like what, what's your, what, what's the internal struggle? Who, who's, who's hard on it? Who doesn't think it is pulling their weight? What would be a game changer for you guys in it? If we could help you accomplish that. Uh, and the executive themselves, nine times out of 10 will speak and deliver this content. And I think their team members, the lower level people in the account that are also at the briefing, they always learn something. They're like, what? I didn't know we were struggling with this. I, now I understand why you always say no when I want to upgrade my memory that Brian keeps trying to sell me at 22 points. But, you know, I think I think it's really good to give them an opportunity at the beginning of any meeting to kind of speak their mind and tell the group what's going on uh, on, on day-to-day type stuff at the customer. Any other tips that you would share with the, the, the listeners? No, I mean, you, you touched on it, like the meeting, the, the prep in terms of uh, 10K, knowing what's recent to their business, if they, you know, announced uh, an acquisition, knowing what's up to date with uh, relevant business events uh, will will add to your credibility. Um, uh, but it's obvious, but sometimes it's missed. No doubt. And then finally, we can't ever stop talking about it enough. You got to prepare. I, I always ask people to prepare 110%. It's hard work to prepare. You don't know what these meetings are going to bear fruit for you or not, but you got to do the prep uh, and you got to prep your team. Um, the customers got to find value. So if you don't do this right, it, it is going to be a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And then I think you got to pre- prepare your, you know, if, if you got a briefing center, they're probably bringing in their own speakers. You've got to have a prep call with each of them. They do it often. They sound like robots. You got to get, you got to ask them to deliver it to you. You've got to spend a hundred percent of your effort on those people and prepare them a hundred two hundred and ten percent. This is tactical, but it's really helpful. There's a app called Easy Cater, E Z C A T E R, and if you're catering in lunch or uh, or breakfast or dinner in for one of these events, it's a great way. It's like it's it's almost like an Uber Eats. It's an aggregator of restaurants, um, and it may not be available in all areas, but it's available in the South. And it's a great, easy way to uh, speed up your preparation and make sure you get a nice catered meal in for the event. Nice. Don't just make the partners pay for that. Okay, so today we've talked about a few more topics. We talked about briefings, field versus remote, and some pros, cons, benefits, and some tips and tricks. Partners versus no partners. We're going to invite partners, and we're going to let them provide a, a valuable role during those meetings. And then some best practices in general for the day of the executive briefings and how to prep your team and team members and speakers to make sure everybody's on point knows the customer's business and is ready to help them be successful. As always average is the enemy average sucks. Don't be average. Thanks for listening to the tech sales show. Thanks everyone. 
Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.